take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with Airship Genesis Legendary Bible Adventures from Turning Point. Tune in to our monthly audio adventures and join the Genesis Exploration Squad as they travel back in time to experience the stories of the Bible firsthand and discover life-changing lessons. Also available is the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, packed with the biblical content specifically written for kids from trusted Bible teacher, Dr. David Jeremiah. You can also download our Airship Genesis mobile game on your favorite smart device and play as your favorite characters in this puzzle adventure game as the squad experiences the life of Jesus firsthand. Just go to your app store and type the keywords Airship Genesis. For more details or to order a copy of the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, visit our website at airshipgenesis.com slash Bible. That's airshipgenesis.com slash Bible. In the chaos and confusion of a spiritual attack, many people think of prayer as a desperate last resort. But God meant prayer to be our first response. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah wraps up his series, Spiritual Warfare, with a closer look at the power of prayer in fighting the forces of evil. Listen as David introduces the conclusion of his message, Praying Always with All Prayer. Well, thank you for joining us today. And friends, thank you for being with us for this entire series. If I were in church, I might say, all of you who've not missed one session, please raise your hands. Well, I wouldn't see them, but I I know there are some of you who never missed this program. And hopefully what we've taught during the month of June has helped you strengthen your encouragement, made you realize that uh, there is victory to be found in the midst of the battle that we fight. Today, we're going to talk about uh, prayer one more time, and then we'll be finished. But, you know, I want to take this opportunity to tell you the study resources that we've prepared to help you with this particular subject, um, maybe some of the best we have for any of the series. First of all, there's a study guide and a set of CDs that capture all of the audio teaching of this series. Uh, The study guide coordinates the audio teaching uh, and gives you a synopsis of every lesson uh, if you don't have a study guide, if you've never used one of our study guides, then you will be, you'll be surprised at how helpful they are. At the end of each lesson, there are questions, both individual questions and group questions. So, friends, take advantage of the study guide and the CD package by going to our website. There you'll find all the information about that. We also have this book that I've been telling you about throughout the month of June, Answers to Questions About Spiritual Warfare, 200 pages of questions and answers on this subject. It's a beautiful gift-sized book, and uh, we would like to send this to you for a gift of any size during the month of June. Friends, we're running out of days, so don't wait much longer. Get your letter in the mail, send your gift, and say, please send me Dr. Jeremiah's book, on spiritual warfare, and it will be on its way to you in a few days. And then, of course, we also have told you about the bookmark, which we're making available to everyone. You can have this without cost, without expectation on our part. All you have to do is say, please send me the Warrior's Prayer bookmark, and we'll do it, and it'll be in your home soon. It's always kind of sad when I get to the end of a series. We've been talking about spiritual warfare now for four weeks, But um, we've learned much, and uh, we'll be moving on to another subject soon. During the month of uh, July, we're going to talk about angels. What does the Bible say about angels? 
But right now, we're going to finish up talking about prayer. So Ephesians 6.18, here's part two of Praying Always with All Prayer. The rule of the kingdom is this, ladies and gentlemen. You ask in order to receive. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus tells a little story designed to motivate us to petition God. I remember reading this story and then reading a book by Philip Yancey on prayer in which he kind of retold the story in a more modern fashion. So let me just tell you the story the way he told it, and it'll grab hold of you, I think, as it did me. Jesus' story about village neighbors must have provoked smiles and chuckles in his first century audience. A man opens his door to an unexpected guest late one night, not uncommon in a desert climate that encourages travel after sunset, but he opens his door only to find his pantry bare. In a region renowned for hospitality, no decent person would turn away a weary traveler or put him to bed without nourishment. So the host strikes out to a friend's house to ask him for bread. You remember the story? In Jesus' story, though, the neighbor stubbornly refuses the request. He's already gone to bed, stretched out with his family on a mat in the one-room house, and besides, the door is bolted shut. Don't bother me, he calls to his neighbor outside. I can't get up and give you anything. A Middle Eastern audience would have laughed out loud at this lame excuse. Can you imagine such a neighbor? Jesus was asking, certainly not. No one in my village would act so rudely. If he did, the entire village would know about it by morning. Then Jesus delivers the punchline. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, his persistence, his shamelessness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And Yancey goes on to explain, if a cranky neighbor who has turned in for the night, who wishes more than anything you would go away, who does his best to ignore you, if such a neighbor eventually rouses to give you what you want, how much more will God respond to your bold persistence in prayer? We should pray like a salesman with his foot wedged in the door, like a wrestler who has his opponent in a headlock. Raise your voice. Jesus' story implies strive on like the shameless neighbor in the middle of the night. Keep pounding on the door. Keep praying. We give up so easy, don't we? Oh, I prayed about it and nothing happened. As if that were praying. Praying, remember, is not a moment. It's not an instance. It's a relationship. We're talking here about the persistence of prayer and the possibilities of it and the petition of it. Now notice the power of prayer in this same verse. Praying always with all prayer. And then it says, in the spirit. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. What is the power of our prayer? It is the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. The Holy Spirit within us determines not only the character, but also the content of our prayer. How can I know what I should pray for in the will of God? The Holy Spirit who wrote the word of God is the same Holy Spirit who lives in my heart. <laughs> Could you ever think about that? The Holy Spirit who inspired the word of God through human authors so that it is in fact the word of God, as Beth Moore says, warm from the mouth of the Lord. <laughs> the same Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit who lives within you and within me. 
as I submit myself to the Holy Spirit, he directs me to the things which God has already promised in his word. And the spirit who controls me and the spirit who wrote the word of God come to agreement when I pray God answers. Have you ever read this verse in Romans chapter 8? Likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. All I can tell you is that when you pray, friends, you enter into a supernatural element that's not explainable. I'm not really even sure it's teachable. It's only experienceable, if you can use that word. When you begin to pray and you ask the Lord to give you guidance as you pray, you discover a power in prayer that perhaps you have not known before. Let's move on in this little verse. We've looked at the persistence of prayer and the possibilities of it and the petition of it and the power of it. Notice the precision of it, being watchful to this end. Some commentators believe the apostle is encouraging us to be alert, watching in expectation for the Lord's coming. That's often in the Bible, isn't it? We're to be watchful for the coming of the Lord. For instance, 1 Corinthians 16, 22 says, O Lord, come. Revelation twenty two twenty says, come, Lord Jesus. We're to always be looking for the coming of the Lord. But I'm not sure that's what this means in this passage. I think what it means is that when we get involved in praying, there are some decisions we have to make. The prayer warrior has to permit nothing in his life that unfits him for prayer. He has to guard his time. Kind of work on his schedule. He's got to watch for everything that feeds and fosters his prayer life. And he must guard against everything that hinders it. Did you know there are three places in the Bible where we are told to watch and pray? Just three that I'm aware of. And it's interesting how they fit into a pattern. Watch carefully. Jesus said, Watch and pray, and you will win over the world. Mark 13 33. Take heed, watch and pray for you do not know when the time is. The second time he said it, twice actually, watch and pray and you will win over the flesh. Matthew 26, 41, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Can I get a witness? Mark 14, 38 says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So the first time we're told to watch and pray, if we do so, we'll win over the world. The second time, we'll win over the flesh. And here in this passage that we're studying today, it says, watch and pray and you will win over the devil. Is there anything you can think of that will help you to win over the world, win over the flesh, and win over the devil? The Bible says it's prayer. Do you remember Nehemiah in the Old Testament? He defeated his enemy by watching and praying. I always have loved this story. In Nehemiah 4, 9, he said, We made our prayer to God, and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. He watched and he prayed. The word watch means to be awake, to be vigilant, means to keep awake in order to guard. And I'm going someplace for this, so keep your ears open. It means to stay alert spiritually and keep guard. It means to stay awake when you're praying. It means to pray correctly. It must be mentally and vigilantly done. And I want to tell you about one of the battles I fought in my own prayer life. 
I used to feel very, very defeated and threatened that I would get to my study for my time of prayer and I would get on my knees and before I knew it, I was resting in the Lord. (laughs) I found out that I'm a better walker than a kneeler. And I've been spending a lot of time going through the Word of God and see if I can find a verse that says walk and pray. I haven't found it yet, but I think the Lord understands. I walk and I talk to the Lord and sometimes I get very bodily demonstrative. (laughs) I think that's okay. I think the Lord would rather have us walk and pray and stay alert than kneel and pray and fall asleep. (laughs) Now that's David Jeremiah talking. I can't prove that from the Bible. But I'll tell you what, I'd rather take a walk with you and listen to you talk to me than stand in front of you while you go to sleep. (laughs) I'd rather think God feels the same way, amen? Colossians 4.2 says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it. I like that, being vigilant in it. So we've had the persistence of it, the possibilities of it, the petition of it, the power of it, the precision of it, and the perseverance of it. Oh, I love this. With all perseverance. Here is the sixth principle, the perseverance of your prayer. The early church seemed to get this. I'm not sure we do. In Acts chapter 1 in verse 14, we read, they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. In verse 42 of Acts 2, it says, they continued steadfastly in prayers. In Acts 6, 4, we will give ourselves continually to prayer. In Romans 12, 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continually steadfast in prayer. What that means is, when it comes to praying, we need to hold on. We need to hold out. We need to don't faint, don't quit, don't yield to discouragement. Don't be deflected by the pressure of other things. Don't ever give up, don't ever quit. Now listen to this carefully. When you stop doing it for a little while, start doing it again. Some of you are discouraged about your prayer life today. There are two things that I want you to know Satan will use to keep you discouraged. And I speak of this by personal experience. First, if you've had two good days of prayer, he will try to get you to believe that it will be like that for the rest of your life. (laughs) It's just not true. The third day, when it doesn't work, he will come and say, well, you've blown it, so there's no use trying anymore. (laughs) Satan is a master at getting you to believe that because you missed a day of prayer, you might as well cancel your prayer life. (laughs) Now, how ridiculous is that? One writer brings a sense of reality to the practice of prayer. He says, as life changes... Our prayer practice will no doubt change with it. A person battling chronic illness will pray differently than a college student who mainly is worried about final exams and a noisy roommate. Taking a mission trip, getting married, managing a household of kids, giving care to an aging parent, every major life change will have its effect on prayer, both its practice and its content. The only fatal mistake is to stop praying and then not begin again. I learned this a long time ago, that God is our Father. He understands that we are dust. (laughs) He understands that we are not perfected yet. He's not asking us, even as followers of Christ, to live in a way that 
We're not ever going to live until we're with him. Someday we'll be perfect when we see him as he is. In the meantime, we're all under construction. Amen? If I could do anything today, I want to take this burden off of all of us and lift us up before the Lord and say, Lord, you know, I haven't prayed like I'd like to, but I'm going to ask you to help me get my hands around this a little better. Here's what I found. I need to prime the pump often. I've read so many books on prayer. I've got some favorite books I've been through four or five times. Andrew Murray is one of the great writers on prayer. I have a little book that he wrote on prayer, and I've read it so many times. You say, why do you read it? Because I find that sometimes as I start to get cold toward this whole concept, when I begin to read, it fills my heart with hunger and desire to pray again. Get yourself a good, solid book on prayer, and use the book and the Scripture. I don't know if that's the right term to use, to prime the pump. When you don't feel like praying, just read a little bit every day and find God begin to work in your heart, give you the desire to do it. And then notice number seven, the purpose of the warrior's prayer. This kind of bleeds over into the next two verses. But notice, and supplication for all the saints and for me. When you pray, the purpose of your praying is that you might pray for others. You know, prayer is mostly about others. It's not necessarily about ourselves, although in our kind of self-centered culture, it has become about us. I remember when we studied the book of Job, I came to love this little verse in the 42nd chapter. It said, the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. You remember that? What a great verse. The Bible says that the purpose of our praying is to intercede for one another. Now watch carefully. When we pray for one another, everybody in the body is praying for everybody else in the body. And while I may not be praying for myself, I'm praying for you, but I don't have to worry because you're praying for me. (laughs) You see how that works? Let me show you how blessing comes when we allow this to take control of our lives. David Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote about this, and he makes a point that is so good. He says, before the outbreak of the Spanish Civil War in Barcelona, Madrid, and other places, there were psychological clinics with large numbers of neurotics undergoing drug treatment and others attending regularly for psychoanalysis and such like. They had their personal problems, their worries, their anxieties, their temptations, having to go back week after week, month after month to the clinics in order to be kept going. Then came the Civil War, and one of the first and most striking effects of that war was that it virtually emptied the psychological and psychiatric clinics. (laughs) These neurotic people were suddenly cured by a greater anxiety, the anxiety about their whole position, whether their homes would still be there, whether their husbands would still be alive, whether their children would be killed. The greater anxieties got rid of the lesser ones. (laughs) And in having to give attention to the bigger problem, they forgot their own personal and somewhat petty problems themselves. And Lloyd-Jones goes on to summarize. He says, a greater fear drives out lesser fears. And I am applying that principle to this whole question of prayer. And you cannot forget yourself when you are sorry for yourself and feeling that you are having an unusually hard time with everything against you. It's almost enough to drive you to despair. One of the best remedies is to sit down and say, What about so-and-so? What about his person? What about that person? What about the Christians in other countries? Get down on your knees and pray for them, and you will soon get up finding that you have forgotten yourself. 
you will find that in praying for them, you are solving your own problems and obtaining release. What an interesting thought. Let's all confess before God today that it's easy for us to get into our own selves, isn't it? And I've often said to you that here in America, our very worst day ever is better than the best day most people ever experience around the world. That's not meant to make us feel guilty. It's simply to say that sometimes if we don't get away from our own situation and begin to look at the bigger picture, we get just burdened down with our own stuff and there's no cure for that. The cure is to get our eyes off of ourselves and onto others and to intercede for others. Paul said, pray for all the saints and pray for me. And when we begin to do that, we begin to sense that God is using us even in the midst of our own stresses and troubles, as many as they may be and as difficult as they may be. He begins to use us to help others, and in the helping of others, we end up helping ourselves. Ben Patterson writes about one of his struggles with prayer. He said many years ago when he was a pastor, he was ordered by his doctor to spend six months on bed rest because he had a ruptured disc in his back. Unable to move or do anything productive, he learned a valuable lesson about prayer. He writes, I was helpless. I was also terrified. What was this all going to mean? How was I going to take care of my family? What about the church? I was the only pastor it had, and I couldn't do anything for the church. Out of sheer desperation, I just decided to pray for the church. I opened the church directory, and I prayed for each member of the congregation every day. It took nearly two hours, but since I didn't have anything else to do, I figured I might as well pray for the church. It was not piety that made me do it. It was boredom and frustration. But over the weeks, the prayer time grew sweet. One day near the end of my convalescence, I was praying, and I told the Lord, you know, Lord, it's been wonderful these prolonged times we've spent together. It's too bad I haven't time to do this when I'm well. God's answer came swift and blunt. He said to me, Ben, you have just as much time when you're well as when you're sick. It's the same 24 hours in either case. The trouble with you, Ben, is that when you're well, you think you're in charge. When you're sick, you know you're not. <laughs> and that's the truth, isn't it? <laughs> Ephesians 6:18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. The persistent possibilities, petition, power, precision, perseverance, and purpose of prayer. All in one verse. And all yours in your copy of the scripture. All you have to do is go back and read it and be reminded of it. And let me just say to you, if you've kind of gotten away from praying, don't let the devil beat you up over it. Don't go home with your head down. Go home being reminded that God is a God who is the God of a second chance. He's always the God of the new start. And this is a great opportunity for us to stop and ask ourselves, is it time for me to take a new look at prayer? I pray, not as I ought to. Certainly, we don't all pray as we ought to. And we look at how God has blessed and all that he's done for us. Think of what would happen to us if we all started to pray as we ought. Can you imagine the blessing that would come down upon us as individuals, as families, if we would take seriously the words of Ephesians 6.18 
and begin to pray. Start where you are. Every relationship starts somewhere. Pray what you can pray. Ask God to teach you to pray. Learn how to pray. And then, whatever you do, just pray. Pray and see what God will do in your life. You may never have experienced this before. You may have never tried prayer before. Maybe you've tried everything else. I encourage you today to try prayer. You have the assurance of the Word of God and the encouragement of your pastor. Make this year a year when prayer begins to do its work in your life as you obey His Word. Amen. Amen. I don't think there are any of us who would not hold up our hands and say, we need to do better praying. It's one of the hardest things that we do, and sometimes it gets lost. Let's make a new commitment to prayer as we get to the end of this series. Friends, I think we're going to need to do a lot more of that going forward. And I heard myself say, don't make it the last resort, but the first resolve. Do it now. Put it at the top of the list. Thank you so much for being here to hear all of this and interact with it. I hope the Lord has used it in some way. If you've won a victory in your life during this series, we'd like to know about it. We love the stories of what God does in the lives of people through his word. You can send those to us any way you choose. We read them. We rejoice in them. Sometimes we share them. Once more, I want to tell you about my friend who is a single father. He and his son get up every morning upstairs in their house. And as they walk down the stairs, they, they read or recite the warrior's prayer together to prepare them to face the world in which they live. You can do that as well. We'll be back tomorrow with a message entitled, The Freedom Fighter from Galatians chapter 2, a follow-up to spiritual warfare. Today's message came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church, where Dr. David Jeremiah serves as senior pastor. Will you tell us one way that you're being blessed by Turning Point? Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, Answers to Questions About Spiritual Warfare. It's a great way to stay on guard and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we start a short series of special encouraging messages here on Turning Point. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. One of the most misunderstood words in use today, especially among young people, is the word freedom. Too often, people think freedom means the right to do whatever they want. 
But I agree with the Bible teacher whom I heard give a better definition. Instead of freedom being the right to do what I want, freedom is the power to do what I ought. In other words, freedom is not the absence of restraints because God's rules are always in place and we are responsible for obeying them. Therefore, true freedom is when I have God's power to do what I should do, not what I want. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's freedom on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.